Welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show where we cover a stock in 20 minutes, giving you a nice Sunday episode. Ryan is here with me today, and we are talking Sony, the Japanese conglomerate. We kind of got a Japanese tilt here the last, you know, start here. Because um, Buffett. Buffett but, bought all those, right, what, right. Was it, what was it, Japanese companies, Japanese yeah. debt, something like that? Whales, whale wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> we're looking at uh, more conglomerates. He was in like trading companies, so, like ancient trading companies, classic clickbait Buffett story. But that's not what the show is about. We're talking Sony, the conglomerate. So when you get into the history and then what Sony does. Sony is one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer and professional electronics. Um, so even though they've produced the most successful console ever, which was the PS2, and they are the second largest video game publisher worldwide, Sony's actually not as cyclical as you might imagine. They've broken out their revenue into seven different segments, so they have games and network services, music, pictures, electronic products and solutions, imaging and sensing solutions, financial services, and all other. And then um, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to, yeah. imaging and sensing, they say it like that, but it's mostly semiconductors. So... At the okay. start, you're like, oh, imaging and sensing, what is that? Think like semiconductor and adjacent stuff. Okay, and they, yeah, they do a lot. They're giant global conglomerate. Um, electronic products and game and network services are their largest divisions. So um, think, I mean, I guess TVs, consoles, mm -hmm. cameras, and game and network, um, basically the software component to the gaming and all music, that stuff. Music IP, they own Spider-Man IP is their that largest one. That would probably one. be in music though, right? Yeah, but they also own the Marvel. So Marvel actually doesn't own the Spider-Man part. Spider-Man is owned by Sony. So that's kind of like, uh, for some yeah. reason, they own that specific one. And then actually, uh, they own, though they have 31 different companies. I, I counted them up in the 10K, uh, 31 different. So it's it really is a classic conglomerate with just total like random industries that they work in. Interesting. Okay. Um, history, Sony was founded in Tokyo, Japan in 1946, though it wasn't actually named Sony until 1958. They were started as an electronic store by Masaru Ibuka, and their early, uh, their big early product was the Sony transistor radio. Since then, they built out tons and tons of different businesses that go under the Sony umbrella now. Um, uh, the Sony first went public or was made available to the public in 1955, and they listed on the New York Stock Exchange for the first time in 1970. Wow. Interesting note, though, Sony Financial IPO'd in 2007. Um, and I, now they're rolling it back in. So yeah. this spring, um, they're going to take that all in-house. It's kind of a – they're going to buy out all the outside owners and just make it a 100% owned company. Hmm. And then the only two major shareholders I could find were, of course, BlackRock, <laughs> Every time. BlackRock Japan, yep. and some Japanese asset management company, both owned roughly 5%. All right. Yeah, I'll get into the valuation because we could talk about the history for days. It could be a whole episode. So they have a $78.9 billion enterprise value, and that is estimated as of the recording date on October 1st. Their ticker is SNE, and they are, I don't know if they're an ADR. I don't believe they are. I think they actually, because they do list on the New York Stock Exchange, it's not one of those weird international things where you're actually not investing in the company. I thought uh, they were. Or they are an ADR. I saw something on like the Sony page that said they issued their ADR a long time ago. Either way, know. it's a Japanese company. You can, well, I mean, I don't want to stereotype as them as being trustworthy, but I think you can trust them over like a riskier Chinese company, um, yeah. which is where you worry about those ADRs a little more. Uh, the price, though, is $76.44 as of recording. 
Um, they have a weird with their financial services thing that makes the enterprise value weird, and they also have negative fifteen billion dollars in net debt for calculating their metrics. Um, so you got to put that in there just to actually get the real, uh, you know, valuation. Um, they have an EV to free cash flow of eight point six, PE of fifteen point three, and then EV to EBIT, which is earnings before taxes of ten point five. I like to do all three of those because. You know, sometimes they can massage earnings to make one look better than the other. You kind of want to see all three look good because it just gives you a better overview where you can maybe do an accounting trick and yeah. make someone think that or, your valuation is a lot lower. Or sometimes it's not even an accounting trick. Sometimes it's just like one-time blips that mm -hmm. only affect yes. one of those profitability metrics. Right. And so all three of those I think are the best to like look in tandem just because, you know, a PE might look really low or really high, but in reality the cash flow is a lot better. Dividend yield right now is about 0.6%, so not strong, but it has been growing. They said they do want to grow it, and their buybacks have been small. Share count has been very steady. Uh, trailing return on invested capital of 15.4%, which is good. EV to operating cash flow of 5.8%, uh, free cash flow margin 12%. They have negative working capital, but they have done that for the past decade, and it hasn't been an issue for them. I think it's because... They've been able to generate solid cash flow, um, and it's not too concerning when looking at their balance sheet. They do have long-term debt, but it is on a bunch of different years. It doesn't all go at one time, and it's not very large for the size of the company. Um, balance sheet is relatively complex. Again, it's a conglomerate, so you might expect that, and it's kind of something you're going to, you know, we're not going to go over every point on this on the show, but if you're going to invest, you're going to have to spend some time going over that to make sure you understand every part of the business. All right, I'll dive into the earnings then. Uh, these are all basically trailing 12-month numbers, and then when I do the year-over-year -year metrics, it's the trailing 12 months from the, that, the year prior. Okay, so okay. over the trailing 12 months, Sony has produced roughly $77 billion in revenue. That's down roughly 4% year-over-year. They had operating income of $7.9 billion. That's down about 2.5%. And then trailing 12-month net income was $6.1 billion. That was actually down 21% year-over-year. It's lumpy, um, and mm -hmm. you're gonna we're, we're gonna find that and talk about that more. But there's a lot of lumpiness to the business, and then um, not, especially in the the COVID year, right? And uh, there was 9.2 billion in short-term borrowings and 6.2 billion in long-term debt. Like you just talked about, their balance sheet was difficult to dissect, and it's not what you as an investor might be used to because it's Chinese uh, Japanese or sorry Japanese documents and it's like the 20F instead of the 10K and, and um, the financial part makes it so they're, they're holding a bunch of marketable securities for their life insurance business it makes things seem maybe a little worse or different than they are Right. Um, they had 10% operating margins over these trailing 12 months. They had 8% net margins. Both are partially down from the year prior. Thought this was interesting, though. In 2012, they had 168,000 employees. Last year, they had 111,000 employees, a 34% wow. decline in headcount. I'm curious how much that is helping lead to. Uh, I mean, since 2012, operating income has expanded. Yeah, I'm and the mar margin's been a lot better, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still lumpy somewhat, and you could pick random years and it might be off, but it, it they are more profitable on a margin basis. It just, I'm curious if that plays into it. Maybe some automation, who knows? Yeah.
All right, welcome back from the ad break. First up here, this is one we do for the Fundamental Analysis Show. It is Digging Trenches, and that's just yes or no. What do you think? They got any moat competitive advantages? It's one out of three, right? One out, oh, yeah, yeah. It's zero one out of three. three. I forgot. Uh, or you could say zero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's uh, three, I guess. Two. I mean, it, it, there's so many different businesses within the business. I'd say probably two and a half. We, you know, yeah. I mean, the console area. There's basically three players: the Switch, the PlayStation, and the Xbox um, right now. And it's, I mean, unless cloud gaming really takes off and Stadia happens to be better than it is now, I don't see. It feels like they have a moat there. There's a lot mm, of definitely tons of brand recognition with Sony. You kind of uh, know what you're getting. Music licensing is really. Uh, I mean. It's a moat because people are forced to pay, you know, the royalties. Like this is who Spotify has to pay all that money out to is Sony, and it's very high margin. But there's also some of their business is sort of commodity products, yeah. like TVs, yep. some of the electronics, headphones, stuff like that. I mean, the more the competition comes in, the more they have to lower prices or compete on price. Yeah. So part of the business has a very high moat, um, and part of it does not at all. All right. Um, wait, so I guess, yeah. Two, two and a half. Two and a half, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, what about further reading? Further reading? I wanted to look more into the images and sensing. So I kind of got the gist of it. They're like the number one brand for the specific niche of semiconductor and other products. It's kind of like computer vision, which could be a big growth opportunity, but I... It's hard to understand. You got to get down to the technical weeds there, um, and it's you know a business that isn't really intuitive unless you're big into the semiconductor and engineering industry. Um, you know what part of the market are they focused on? I would kind of look into. I think they have automotive, um, and then in general, this is a highly complex company. So there's a lot of things we're not going to cover on the show here. There's just tons of further reading. For example, they just invested in Billy Billy in China, and they now own five percent of that. That's worth almost one billion dollars. I think maybe like eight hundred million. And what's Billy Billy again? I I don't know. See, yeah, you got to look in to see what they even do. Okay. Um, yeah. So mine's the financial services segment. They own SFH, which I didn't look up what it stands for, but it basically is their financial Sony company. Financial Holdings, right? Um, and go. then that engages in insurance, savings, and loans. Everyone knows banks ultimately use more leverage, and so it adds an element of risk to Sony as a whole. All of Sony's short of all of Sony's short term borrowings, ninety percent belong to their financial services yeah. segment. Mm-hmm. So it, there's there's just a whole nother part that you have to analyze because it adds it basically I would say that's ninety percent, maybe eighty percent of Sony's risk or executional risk as a business in general, and it's all in their financial services segment. So you gotta figure out what's going on there. Yeah, definitely. And they're probably upset. Um, they've been doing this for a while and they're like, gosh, we're just in the worst interest rate environment like in history for yeah. Japan, specifically with those negative rates, basically zero rates for the last three decades. All right. Future growth opportunities. What do you got? Uh, mine's the PS5. The PS5 is launching on November 12th. Last time, the, last time they launched a major console was at the end of 2013. And the year following, they saw a 14 per, 14.3% increase in the top line. Um and that was the PS4, so that was the fourth best-selling console ever. So think about that. You had the fourth best-selling console ever, and it and it helped mm-hmm. revenue jump only 14%. It's because they um, – I believe – I believe they have really strong pricing power with that, right? They've had historically been able to raise prices. Is that true? Were you looking – I, I yeah, believe that's I mean, true, just, right? It, it doesn't – it's crazy that something so big – doesn't move the needle that yeah, far you know that's true um 
but so more to the PS5, the the pricing was pretty smart from what it looked like. So they have the disc, the one with the disc running capabilities will be $499 and the disc free version is selling for $399. So they're probably making mild margins on the initial hardware sell for the $399 version, but the games will be software downloads, which are higher margin. And I imagine people are going to spend more than that $100 gap um, to buy games. So they're basically making up the margins later on in the uh, life of the console. And they have the PlayStation Now, which has like, what, 45 million users? Um, so that's that's um, high margin as well. Okay, and then, um, yeah, it's just that that's the cheaper way when you put a $499 version and then a $399 version. It's a cheap way to get into the households and then you can make higher margins later on. Mm-hmm. Although Xbox is doing the same, but their digital-only version is $299. That's a little interesting. I'm curious if maybe um, Xbox or Microsoft is taking a bigger jump on the services side. Uh, I mean, historically, PlayStation's had more pricing power um, just – from the console launches in the past, uh, just people seem to be willing to pay more for PlayStations uh, for whatever reason, which okay. I guess is a good thing. What's your future growth opportunity? Uh, it would be the large investments they're making in the images and sensing business line for automotive. So this is a huge expense for uh, research and development for self-driving cars. Companies are spending billions and billions on that. Uh, you know, all different companies um, from Tesla to the classic old companies um, in the automotive space. Everyone is investing in that because they know eventually it will um, occur. We don't really know when, but I think this could be a large part of that market that actually has profits flowing to it because, you know, there needs to be that imaging uh, technology and semiconductors are going to be play a big part of that. And then there's also all the computing that goes with it. So it's going to take a lot of investment from Sony, but it could pay off and it could be one of the few companies that actually has the technical specs to pull it off so that, you know, with all their employees with, you know, you can't just have a startup to uh, compete in that space. And it's also a little complicated. It might be a little over our heads and not in our specific niche that we like to invest in. But it's kind of a good, you know, maybe a call option on this business because it isn't a giant part of their business right now as, you know, Sony, the conglomerate, but it could eventually be if, um, you know, if things work out. That's the thing that I find so interesting is even if that's super, super successful, it doesn't totally transform the business. No, but it's also on the flip side. It's not going to kill them if they don't succeed. Right. Um, What about your highlights and lowlights? Okay, my highlight for me was as a conglomerate, their income is more stabilized when the macroeconomics change. So, for example, last quarter gaming got a big revenue and income bump, but that was you know able to offset the losses in electronics. Um, and actually, gaming is I think usually the highest segment uh, per revenue, you know, on revenue basis. And last quarter was actually the majority of the revenue. So usually it's like thirty something percent, but it has gotten up to at least fifty percent. And I also like how they're going to be absorbing their financial subsidiary as a wholly owned business. Just get that in-house. Why not um, keep everything streamlined? Lowlights for me, a lot of the products are hardware. Um, not all of it is, but, you know, hardware is harder to, um, you know, margins are worse. It's a one-time buy, stuff like that. It's more hit-driven. Also, their IP stuff, um, I mean, maybe are they just milking the streaming and music bump? You know, like, you know, streaming video, streaming yeah. music, that stuff's getting a big bump right now. And Sony doesn't really feel like it's doing much on that. Um, it still might work, but I don't know how much they're actually investing in that IP. Also, if you believe that 
artists are going to move away from the labels in that's the a future. Risk. That's a risk. That's a risk for Sony as well. My highlights, they aren't super cyclical. It's not like Nintendo, how they have one truly successful platform and all of a sudden it's a completely different business. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I So I guess it's not really that impacted by um, like hit-driven events. But I'll bet most people do buy the digital-only PS5, and that should help margins, at least in the gaming business and potentially the business at at large. My lowlights, though, it's lumpy and really unpredictable. The stock declined for three years after launching the PS4, which, keep in mind, was the fourth best-selling console of all time. Mm -hmm. It's hard for a big business like this to grow. There's a ton of different moving parts. Even huge console launches hardly move the needle for them. Um, And that doesn't mean that they can't return value to shareholders through improved cost structures. But for reference, over the last 15 years, revenue has declined 7% or at best is flat. And you can pick out independent points in time, but it's super lumpy. And I'm not, I, I guess this will lean into our next question. I have no idea what the financials will look like next year. Yeah. I mean, well, it could, I don't know if you, I think there's a floor. There's a high floor because it's not right. like every business is going to go away. But yeah, it's tough to analyze. You really got to dig in and it might take a month uh, to fully understand this business. Uh, so last question here. Are we more interested or less interested in Sony after today? I'm not very interested in this company because of the lack of predictability on my part. I can't – I like a company where you can say, all right, they have – you know. A, B, and C going for them that should drive revenue, should lead to sustainable growth, and might change the margin structure or the prof- the margin profile for the business. It's hard for me to tell. Like even if PS5 is a total hit and the software downloads uh, change the video gaming margins, yeah, they they could have a total drop off in electronic sales and basically be flat. So it's mm-hmm. really unpredictable on my side, and that's not something I like to see. Yeah, I'm going to say the opposite. I'm more interested. Not, I do agree with your points there, but the valuation intrigues me because I do think they have a high floor and that Sony is going to be able to generate lots of cash flow for years to come. It's not going to likely grow that much, but that's the conundrum you get into here. Like, If you could invest in a high-growth company trading at 100 times cash flow or do you want to invest in a company trading at less than 10 times cash flow, you know, you have to weigh those odds. Um, and I don't know, I'm not an expert in Sony's business. I definitely have to read up more on them, but I, I am interested and I, I would take a look, especially at this valuation. It is worth noting they've been trading, last year or two years ago, they had a free cash flow multiple about half of what they have now. So mm-hmm. they have had a bit of a run up in the stock price as of late. Yeah, yeah. just because the cash flow multiple is fairly low um, comparatively, it doesn't mean it can go lower or can't right. go lower. Right. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, as always, at chitchatmoney, and email us at chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com for show suggestions. We love those. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on our next episode.